Hi, I'm Nate Flax. I'm Noah Longworth McGuire. And welcome to another chat slash book reading episode of Talking Lion. How's it going, Noah? It's going all right, yeah. I uh, got this book. Yeah. That I'm um, still writing. I haven't given up yet. There you go. We're two episodes in. I've actually gotten some very nice feedback from people, mostly just them saying that uh, they don't hate it. Yeah. Which is nice. No, I like I like I said, my mom made a point last time we, we talked. She was just like, Hey, I really like I really like the book. I like the book that Nate's writing. And I'm like, that's like that, you know, I, I appreciate that. And my mom has listened to the episode. Right. That is all I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, she does not like podcasts. Uh, so that's as far as I think I'm gonna get. Um but yeah, for those uninitiated, I'm writing a book called The Gambler's Guide to the Music Industry. And the whole sort of notion of the book is trying to create like a framework for how to figure out the tough decisions uh, in music. Of course, last episode, we went over the introduction. So if you haven't listened to that, listen to it. But also the whole point of this book is that you're able to jump around so you can kind of just dive in. Well, there are parts that you're going to have to like, like yeah. a framework for understanding the book. But currently, if you are just yeah. diving in here, you should be okay. Yeah, this chapter, you should be fine. This chapter, you should be fine. Uh, this is the first chapter you haven't listened to, though, right? Yeah, I, I don't. I haven't actually. I haven't. I know the basically the title and nothing else. That's what we love. That's what we love to see is a is a blind a blind test. This thing is hard to write. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I uh, I'm having a tough time, I'm and sure. I I understand now why it hasn't been written by other people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because there's a lot of variables to take into account. So. I don't want to give too much of a preface. I don't want to color how you are listening. Mm -hmm. But I do want to make sure that it doesn't feel too scattered to you. Okay. I had a film teacher who, for a class, I had to write a lecture. And um, his note on the lecture was that it was way more of a shotgun than a sniper. Mm. Um, I am not good at sniping when yeah. it comes to uh, anything kind of educational. And unfortunately, this concept for the book is very broad. Yeah. And our industry is very broad. Definitely. And evolving. So hopefully this covers, but I do want you to just sort of like with your new ears, just make sure that it doesn't feel too trying to please everybody so it pleases nobody kind of thing. You yeah. Know? No, I think, that, I think that's a valid uh, thing to look out for. So without further ado, here's The Gambler's Guide to the Music Industry, Section 2. Choose your character. Choose your character! Every journey in the music game is unique, which makes writing a guide that will specifically meet you where you are a challenge. Your experience, as well as your actual role, will vary and possibly change over time. Maybe you're solely an artist, and you've been doing this for five years. Maybe you're in your first year of being both a songwriter and a manager. Regardless of who you are and where you are in your journey, this guide is meant, at the very least, to be useful in some capacity for all. For the sake of clarity, I will be referring to everyone in the music game as players. While there are many roles in the music industry, session players, publicists, A&Rs, slash executives, agents, lawyers, etc., this book is going to focus on four specific roles, artists, songwriters, producers, and managers. Some chapters and sections might refer to specific types of players, artists, songwriters, producers, managers, or cover areas more targeted towards beginner or seasoned players. Throughout, I will make notes on areas you can skip based on your role and experience. 
With that said, and feel free to call me biased, it can't hurt to read this guide cover to cover, both to gain some perspective on your early decisions, maybe catching a dotless I or a crossless T along the way, and to understand the decisions your peers and collaborators might be making around you or about you. With that said, maybe this book is your very first step into the world of music, beginning the transition from an enthusiastic listener to a player. If that's the case, let me clarify certain starting roles you could have in this game, the characteristics often associated with those roles, and the pros and cons of choosing each path. Starting with... Artist! For many, this is the default role when starting out. You scroll some poetry in a notebook and sing it to a tune. You learned a few chords on the guitar or piano, and suddenly, you have a song. In many ways, artists are the most common role in the game because the barrier for entry is as simple as recording a voice memo and putting it up online, or taking the next step and spending a few dollars to release it on streaming platforms. Being an artist is a wonderful hobby and a harrowing job. The best part is that all of it, the ideas, the songs, the branding, the parasocial power, the attention, the drive, the talent, it all comes from you. The worst part is that all of it, relentlessly, also comes from you. The difference between a hobbyist and a professional artist really boils down to how much time, energy, money, and creativity you're capable of devoting to the project continuously. And often it's your face and name that is publicly presented and associated with the success or failure, or as I'd prefer to call them, growth and growing pains of your project, which is part of the reasoning behind anonymous project or aliases. It's not for the faint of heart. But being an artist also is one of the most rewarding experiences in the whole game because when it works, you did that. It's you the crowd is cheering for. You getting the big checks, the blue check marks, fan art, flooded DMs. And it's exciting to see songs you worked on alone or with friends reach an audience larger than the population of your hometown on a daily basis. To be an artist is to have contradicting forces working in harmony, extremely collaborative yet solitary, publicly accessible yet tremendously introspective, defined yet experimental, unwaveringly zen yet unstoppably ambitious, artistic yet enterprising. Likewise, especially nowadays as artists are pushed further to be more broadly content creators, there is a growing need for artists to have tangential skills such as photo, audio, video editing, audio engineering, music production, 3D art, graphic design, business savvy, web3 knowledge, etc. Often duos, bands, or great teams around a solo artist emerge to partition these contradictions and cover the wide array of skills needed. In any case, if you've created anything, you're already an artist. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. That's your little light to do with what you will. Characteristics. Creative, collaborative, self-aware, patient, experimental, ambitious, talented, driven, inspired. Pros. Spotlight slash attention. You are the star. Financial center. You are the CEO. Creative control, it's your sound slash brand slash vibe. Calling the shots, scheduling, work, everything is up to you. Footnote nine, unless you wind up with the responsibility slash deadlines under a label slash publishing contract. Cons, it's the most common path. You'll have to cut through the noise. Financial exposure, you have to front the money. Footnote 10, or contend with the responsibilities of taking a loan, partnering with an investor, taking an advance, etc. Shifting landscape, keeping up with an ever-changing zeitgeist and industry, driving the project. You are the driving force. Even if you delegate, you set the pace. Songwriter. Artists can be songwriters, but not all songwriters are artists. Being a pure songwriter, footnote 11, as in just writing for others without having your own artist project, is primarily a behind-the-scenes job, though it's not without its own rewards, perks, financial opportunity, and recognition. 
Even if your aim is to be an artist, purely songwriting can be an excellent place to start. You can privately hone your craft over hundreds of songs, build a network of goodwill since you're effectively helping others, learn about the industry in a low-stakes environment, and watch the songs you wrote reach an audience with limited, if any, upfront financial risk. This is why it's pretty common to find out major artists had their start as songwriters. The same can be said in reverse. As artists who might have seen their public-facing projects, Wayne found a second life or parallel success in songwriting. Still, while the layperson may know the newest pop stars and their associated hits, they might not be aware of the songwriters penning many of their favorite songs, or even that songwriters exist at all. Footnote 13. It wasn't until I got to college that I even learned about the concept of the songwriter. I just assumed artists were the sole creators of their work. If that were true, I'd be out of job. The public perception comes with obstacles that range from interpersonal to political. While producers and songwriters tend to work side by side and might even be next to each other in the writer's credits, songwriters often get the short end of the stick. Producers can get upfront fees for songs. Songwriters rarely do. This means to be profitable, songwriters not only have to write dozens, if not hundreds of songs on spec, footnote 14, short for on speculation, as in no pay unless the song is cut slash used. They also need to negotiate financial splits that take into account archaic or even broken label-slash-distributor payout systems, outdated royalty rates, evolving income streams, and good old negligence-slash-incompetence just to get paid. Without a hit, money from your PRO, footnote 15, performance rights organization, essentially royalty collectors, is nominal and potentially quarterly. Likewise, labels can take months to pay out what your portion of the artist's middling portion is, whereas independent artists tend to be the ones responsible for accounting directly to you with their own limited accounting experience. Some alternatives to this are work-for-hire projects, which are essentially upfront buyouts in lieu of any future royalties, and sync writing for TV slash film slash ads, which can have large all-in payouts. While efforts are being made by streaming platforms, award shows, publications, labels, podcasts, and congressional actions to more publicly recognize songwriters and improve their compensation, there's still a very long way to go. Footnote 18 made harder by the need to retrofit new developments onto decades-old infrastructure. With that said, songwriting can be a strong career path since your value is based on the strength of your writing and your flexibility as a collaborator, as opposed to being tied to an artist project. Unlike being an artist, saturation isn't as much a concern since less people tend to vie for the behind-the-scenes roles. Ultimately, day-to-day, songwriting can be a lot of fun. It's a wonderfully interpersonal experience and an exercise in creative problem-solving. In a typical day, you might dive into a fascinating conversation with a stranger you just met and create something special and hopefully catchy from what you've learned about their hopes, fears, stories, heartaches. There's nothing quite like an artist acknowledging that you helped them tell their story in a way that they couldn't on their own. With a great collaborator network and or the right publishing deal, you could find your schedule full of sessions, footnote 19, or rights as they call them in Nashville, your bank account regularly topped up by royalties slash sync checks, and maybe even a Grammy for a song you don't entirely remember writing. Characteristics, supportive, collaborative, empathetic, generous, insightful, compromising, wordy, tenacious. Pros, collaborative, your role is to work with others. Private experience, hone privately your craft over hundreds of songs. Opportunity, network building with goodwill slash more songs equal potential hits. Limited financial exposure, usually limited slash no upfront financial risk. Career building slash jumping off point, being known in your circle slash preparing to be an artist. Cons, it's not your project. You have to defer to your collaborator's decisions even if you disagree. Behind the scenes, even if you write a hit, the artist has the spotlight. On spec work and frustrating accounting, getting paid can be a challenge unto itself. Producer, 
The role of the producer has evolved tremendously over time and rapidly over the last two decades. For the latter half of the 20th century, producers worked with tape and an array of analog gear to help artists and labels create hit records. They oversaw sessions to get the best performances, cut and splice tape to composite the best takes, hone the sonic characteristics of an artist or band, and design sounds with synthesizers, gear, tape, manipulation. Sometimes producers were known for their technical skills, like the way their drums sounded. Sometimes producers were known for their tastes and ideas. Ready to chime in on the talkback mic. I got a fever! And the only prescription is more cowbell! Nowadays, a producer is considered the person who works in the DAW of their choice to create an artist's song slash record, almost always on a computer. Changes in technology and accessibility lowered the barrier for entry, giving rise to the bedroom producer, no longer limiting the role to those who could afford tens of thousands of dollars in analog gear and the education to use them. Though the shift was also influenced by the rising popularity of EDM, rap, hip-hop, beat-making, as the producer-slash-artist Lido said, there is so much more to producing than just beat-making. Footnote 24, Berkeley College Music Panel, hosted by Sleeping Lion in 2016. I have to get a better sight for this quote, which is from the... Dr. Dre, Jimmy Iovine documentary and was possibly said by Stevie Nicks, but somebody said the true skill of a producer is their ability to have the clear thought. To this end, I believe artists are producers in their own right. And through that, your fundamental job as a producer is to understand and execute the artist's vision for the song. You'll need the imagination to listen to a rough demo and hear in your head what the fully produced song would sound like. From there, you must have the technical skill to take what's in your head, adjust it to the artist's direction, and bring it to life. But maybe most importantly, your job as a producer is to get the best performance out of an artist, however you can. This is nebulous and specific to each artist. Sometimes this means taking a walk to get coffee. Sometimes this means doing 20 jumping jacks. Sometimes this means listening to a dozen reference songs or talking through the story of the song to capture the correct emotion. In that way, producers are a lot like directors, working with artists so that they can be their best self and present their work the way they intended. If you make a good connection with an artist, you could wind up being their go-to person or the executive producer of their album. Executive producers are tasked with finding session musicians, handling mixing slash mastering themselves or by hiring others, and collaborating with the other producers involved on individual songs to create a unified sound throughout the record. Producers have a lot in common with songwriters, which is both good and bad. Though producers are paid upfront fees much more commonly than the songwriters, that doesn't mean you're immune to working on spec, especially in the sync slash remix space. Additionally, these fees can come with strings attached, which can include endless revision passes, recoup conditions, footnote 28, as in not getting any royalties until the artist makes back your fee, smaller fees for more points, or a higher buyout fee, cutting off any additional royalties if the song is a hit. Likewise, if you're working on a song from the initial writing session, then you'll objectively be spending more time on the song than anyone else. Since finishing a production is a lot more subjective and nuanced than finishing the songwriting, you could quickly find yourself overwhelmed by a stack of nearly finished songs. You might also be tasked with stemming out tracks, bouncing down instrumentals, tuning vocals, adjusting drums, and other time and CPU consuming tasks. Though I mentioned above that production has become more accessible in the last two decades, being a professional producer still has a significant financial and technical barrier for entry. You'll need access to a computer, DAW, interface, microphones, keyboard slash guitar, speakers slash headphones, etc. And while owning every single plugin is not required, especially at the beginning, the more you expand your client base, the more likely you'll find an artist looking for a specific sound that only a certain plugin can make. 
all this needs to be backed by an education to make it all work and be proficient enough with your workstation to at least make a decent sounding demo. For some, acquiring the education can be a whole college level pursuit. For others, it could be years of online tutorials and exploration. Still, despite being considered a more behind the scenes role, unique and effective production is still one of the first things listeners notice. Nowadays, producers are also starting to see more paths to gain mainstream recognition and auxiliary compensation through live streaming, behind the scenes social media posts, awards, documentaries, TikToks, educational video platforms, and sample pack markets. Producing is both extremely collaborative and necessarily solitary. So more introverted creatives tend to enjoy the built-in space they have to explore various ideas on their own. Great artists and producer pairings have a certain mythology to them, how one person helps the other find their sound. While the road to honing your craft can be winding and the work can be tedious, there's nothing like hearing a rough demo, developing someone's sound, and then seeing the way it can influence future producers. Characteristics. Detailed, patient, decisive, imaginative, inspiring, compassionate, facilitating, thorough, disciplined, organized. Pros, develop an artist, help them discover their sound. Experience, producing others while you can hone your skills and practice your own music. Opportunity, many types of jobs and financial avenues, plus priority payment. Collaborative and solitary, work with others while also having space to work alone. Cons, not your project. You have to defer to your collaborator's decisions even if you disagree. Behind the scenes, even if you write a hit, the artist has the spotlight. Tedium slash deadlines, long meandering hours, stacking tasks, quick turnarounds, while sometimes still on spec. Startup costs, acquiring equipment and educating yourself on how to use them. Manager. So say you love music, and I'm assuming you do, but lyrics were never really your forte. You go to pick up a guitar or piano, but your fingers just won't listen to your brain. You go to sing, and birds suddenly fall out of the sky. You love music, but music can't seem to love you back. Now, this is an exaggeration, of course. I know plenty of managers who are also incredible writers, singers, instrumentalists, or even artists in their own right. But the thing that sets managers apart is their ability to recognize great-er talent when they see it, understand a clear path to success for their artist, and work diligently as their artist representative to build a career that accurately matches their artist's dreams. As a manager, you may often find yourself as the only line of defense between your artist and the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, taking arms against a sea of troubles. To put it less Shakespearean, for your artist to focus on their art, you must be the one willing to do the dirty job of handling business. You must be trustworthy, for your artist may confide in you all of their dreams and secrets for you to manage. You must be proactive, anticipating your artist's needs and the shifting landscape of the industry to make the most of new opportunities or cut losses. Most of all, you are your artist's representative, which means acting in a way that accurately reflects your artist. I've seen incredibly kind and generous artists get their reputation ruined by the rudeness of their managers acting on their behalf. Conversely, sometimes, on the request of your artist, you may have to be the bad guy, letting your artist save face by having them throw you under the bus with the classic, I'd love to, but my manager said no. Management is both challenging and intimate. While setting boundaries early on is important, your working relationship with your artist often can't be contained to normal business hours. Maybe they're panicking about a distribution error at 2 a.m., or maybe you're panicking at 2 a.m. about a deal that needs to be signed. You may be the one who drives all over the city to look for a specific keyboard stand an hour before your artist takes the stage. You might be the one tasked with calling all your artist's client to push their deadlines as your artist is experiencing a mental health emergency. You might be the one sent to negotiate song splits and label deal specifics with your artist's ex. Footnote 32, 
all three examples actually happened to us. Shout out to our incredible ex-manager, Josh Ford. <laughs> a driven artist might challenge you to constantly learn new things to keep up with new platforms like TikTok, new pathways like podcasting, and new infrastructure like Web3 that arise. Yet despite the deep collaboration, being a manager can also be a thankless job. As manager Scooter Braun said, artists take the wins and managers take the losses. So if your artist blows up, attention will often be on them and the inevitability of their success, even while you're fielding countless emails and inquiries. But if there's a problem, unmet expectation, or total failure, often you're on the receiving end of livid clients and your artist's disappointment. Even worse, you could work incredibly hard for years to break your artist, only to see them sign on with a larger management company or a higher profile manager the moment they skyrocket to success. I've seen this happen to a number of manager friends, and no amount of sunset clause or settlement money can comfort the feeling of being left behind at the station. Financially speaking, management can be a balancing act. Since your commissions from one artist might not be enough to live on, but taking on multiple artists could risk not having enough time or energy to properly manage anyone. The diminishing returns vary from manager to manager and the individual needs of each of their artists in turn. But making the deliberate decision to either hedge your bets or put all your eggs in one basket could make or break you as a manager. Maybe this is why managers try to protect themselves from the usual gamble by working in a more corporate environment. You could be employed at a large management company where you'll get a salary and benefits to work with a larger roster of potentially higher profile artists in a specialized capacity like digital marketing, tour planning, or day-to-day -day management. Outside of management companies, co-management could be very effective as well. A co-manager could have complementary strengths and skills, and they could help you keep the plates spinning across multiple artists or one artist's multiple creative ventures. Managers can be some of the best and worst people in the industry. At their worst, they're bitter, conniving, shallow, and burned out. But at their best, they can be some of the most caring, intelligent, driven, and fun people you'll meet on your music journey. A great manager knows how long and winding the road to success can be, and they're willing to stick it out through the ups and downs. A great manager knows when to turn down short-term wins, even at the cost of personal gains, for something better down the line. A great manager can see all the moving parts of the industry the way a pianist sees the keys of the piano, composing symphonies of people working together by connecting dots and creating harmonies. When all is said and done, if you're lucky, you'll find yourself being the counsel, confidant, administrator, hero, sword, shield, problem solver, and dear friend of who you'll consider to be the greatest artist in the world. You'll be front row for their quote-unquote inevitable success and instrumental in making their dreams come alive. Characteristics. Trustworthy, proactive, empathetic, professional, wise, adaptable, diligent, knowledgeable, generous, strategic, fair, steadfast, confident. Pros. Importance. If you do your job right, you'll be indispensable. Non-musical, your value isn't tied to the quality of your art. Salary opportunity, potential to work at a management company or build your own. Cons, nebulous job description. Who knows what strange challenges a day might bring. Hedge bet slash all eggs, one basket. Risk either over-committing or under-earning. Human shield, you'll be in the line of fire when things go wrong or if you need to reject something on behalf of your artist. Strike up the band. You may also like to find a partner in your musical ventures. Artists form duos or bands. Production duos or songwriter slash producer duos are very common. And co-management can help lighten the workload of a busy artist slash multiple artists. There are tremendous financial benefits to being in a partnership. Double or triple the hands means the potential for more work and more money. And working with someone with complementary skill sets can save money for both of you significantly by eliminating the need to hire outside help. Additionally, sharing expenses can help ease the strain of paying for recording time, equipment, and or rent on rehearsal slash studio slash office spaces. 
Outside of the financial, there's a real sentimental benefit to entering a partnership. You have a built-in best friend whose life improves the better they get to know you and vice versa. You might travel the world with this person, live together to save on rent, and share the highest highs and lowest lows this industry has to offer. This person is the shoulder to cry on when hit with a crushing disappointment or the first person to celebrate when the big win comes around. Still, it's important to understand the challenges, both financial and personal, that come with entering a partnership. Naturally, more people doesn't always mean more work or opportunity, yet even adding one person to your band means having to earn double what you would have to earn on your own. Expenses for things like traveling for a show would double as well, even if the show budget would be the same for a solo or duo act. While it's not a requirement, nothing in this book is, partnering with someone in a similar financial situation as you can help align you in your risk assessment. It might be obvious on paper, but it's a lot harder to parse when you're in the middle of figuring out why something may or may not be working. Because of that, it's extremely important to look critically at the complementary quality of your partnerships. Ideally, you want to be in a partnership that feels strongly like two heads are better than one, or more so, the music you're creating or company you're building couldn't exist without your combined efforts. Ask yourself, could you do this on your own? Would you want to? Are you earning double in your partnership? Are you capable of doubling your workload? Can your partner do things you can't? Does your partner know things you don't? Are you saving more splitting expenses than you would covering them on your own? For a band, do you need to add an official member or can you hire a musician to join you for gigs or recordings? With a few exceptions, doubling a skill is a redundancy and can often lead to toes being stepped on. Being clear about your roles lets you get the most out of your partnership and can curb the classic feeling of one person doing more than the other for the same payout. The sentimental exception is that there's nothing like starting a band or company with your best friend, romantic partner, family member, and that's reason enough to both ignore this advice and to follow it to the letter to avoid ruining your personal relationship by mixing it with business. I found similarities tend to arise out of duos and bands based on how certain personalities and skill sets complement each other. Footnote 36. Often Noah and I would say, every duo is the same duo. For example, an introverted producer might team up with an extroverted songwriter as one loves working many hours solo while the other loves going out to network. Maybe one person gets excited by spreadsheets while the other has a passion for graphic design. A duo or band's ultimate goal is to have the sum of the whole be greater than its parts, meaning maybe each member feels they wouldn't be able to find success in the way they envisioned without joining a team. There's a humility to that realization, but this can also lead to growth as each member learns from each other over the course of their shared career. Case study. If you eat, I eat. Noah and I have been a duo since 2015, starting when we were both wide-eyed 18-year-olds with a dream and terrible sleeping schedules. The breakdown of our work has always been somewhat of a seesaw. As the songwriting slash business side of the duo, sometimes I'll be juggling multiple sessions, projects, networking events, songs, while Noah has a relatively light workload. Other times, Noah will be up to his eyes in production projects while I've only got a few emails in my inbox. Thankfully, we've never nickel and dimed each other about whether the hourly or emotional toll is 50-50, trusting over a long enough timeline it always evens itself out. One person finds work, the other one does work, the value of both running in a cycle, and so on and so forth. With that said, we also have very healthy solo ventures, both as solo artists, as well as solo production slash songwriting projects. Even writing this book represents a healthy break from our usual partnership, though you might have already heard or are currently hearing this chapter read on the podcast we share called Talking Lion. Though our solo successes don't exist in a vacuum. Together, we built the foundation our ventures rest on. So in recognition of that, we have a simple philosophy to our financial dealings. If I eat, you eat. While we may collect our writing and master points as individuals, we share our publishing. 
This is so that in the event that one or more of the songs we worked on solo does tremendously well, the other at the very least has food and rent security. The assumption being, if that event arises, the, the publishing split would be pennies on the dollar. Likewise, even proceeds from this book will go to our shared LLC and contribute to the shared expenses of our communal working spaces. And that is the end of that section. Okay, interesting. First, I think first thought I have to get out of the way is I feel like Strike Up the Band is a different section. Okay, okay. I feel like that felt like you you could, even on its own, it could probably just be its own thing, but you could also expand on that and maybe talk a little bit more. Like maybe you have a case study with, you know, like like when we talk what we talked about with Robbie of right on the podcast, how like when you have like six people, like everyone does different things. You're like having different examples of like different configurations, uh, so that the whole like the strike up the band kind of section or chapter, you can expand on it a little bit. And then I feel like the choose your character could have just like a just a neater button, like a conclusion to that section. That's Got you. Like I yeah, I feel I. I feel that. I think that um, my initial plan in the Strike of the Band section was to sort of dive into talking to friends of ours and whatnot about mm-hmm. how like challenging or not challenging it has been to start a management team or yeah. to start a band. You know, even just talk to pure production songwriting duos who like aren't also an artist project. But obviously, I'm not it's not there yet. Yeah. Um, Similarly, yeah, I, even just reading it back, I think that, yeah, you're right, that the choosing your role could have like a kind of conclusion about. Yeah. Well, also, I was going to say, I think it's worth mentioning even, I don't, I don't know if it, if it was in the very beginning, but I think it's worth hitting the point a little slightly harder that in- increasingly so the lines between roles are getting less defined. I think it's important. I think it's great. I think the chapter on the whole is really strong and I like how everything's laid out with the like pros and cons and the kind of more like emotional narrative of like the good and bad of each role. But I think that it's also worth acknowledging that you can, that any possible permutation of any of those roles exists and exploring that a little bit more, maybe, I don't know. No, but even, even reading it back, like I almost want to even mention the fact too, that like there are so many little areas and, and part of it, it was like, I, I was diving into in the every duo is the same duo, like strike out the band area. Yeah. But I do like, think it might be worth mentioning in the roles. And I just like kind of ran out of time. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I think that like in mentioning in the roles that like there are so many small minutiae that like as a songwriter or as a producer, you wind up finding yourself in. Like as a songwriter, you might actually have like demo production chops mm-hmm. and you might be working with a producer who is more in line with with like finishing or mixing and mastering. Right. You know, like... D- different ways where there are the overlaps, but even just like, again, sort of graphic design versus accounting yeah. and the ways that like, you know, you and I tend to have this sort of delineation between the more technical, like you tend to cr- be e- better at cracking more technical aspects, yeah. whereas I tend to be more on, regardless of what we're working on, the the business, financial, interpersonal yeah. stuff, you know? Sure. Like, e- even though like maybe I could figure out how to make an Instagram filter, you would be the one who would make the Instagram filter, but like I'd be the one to like do the social media rollout for yeah. it, um, the sort of communications. So yeah, I think men- maybe mentioning obviously like all these like sub roles, you're definitely right. And and finding- and also, I think um, this is just kind of maybe a guiding question to, to land that section is, is there a way to start 
is there like a, a nice paragraph at the end that can start to like plant the questions of how each role like plays into the broader theme of like gambling? That was something that I was really, as I was reading it, really almost like second guessing myself about for sure as well. Yeah. Because like there's so much information to put down there yeah, and everything. Definitely. And I'm I'm so worried about generalizing. Yeah. Like so, so worried about generalizing. For sure. But also, I almost had this sort of like risk assessment, you know, like risk versus reward yeah. type thing. Because I would say, for example, compared to songwriters and producers, artists take the most risk. Right. Artists get the most reward. I think I, I think I think then you should like kind of lay that out after you've defined all the roles, have a little thing that talks about you know, every role comes with its own pros and cons. Just kind of hammer that point home a little bit, just to okay. kind of like tie it all together. Well, and I was trying to like play at it with the pros and cons, but yeah. even as I was reading it, I was like, well, where's the gambling in this? Well, then this is where I get tricky. This is where I get tricky because I don't want to like compare, like I don't want to get too comparative yeah. about it. But well, I also don't want to say something, any, but like all of this is high risk, you know? Right. Well, I think, I think that's, I think that's the thing. I think it's to the extent that it's all a game, I think it's a pretty... Well, I don't know if it's a we can talk about balance. I don't know if I'd call it a balanced game, but it's I think I think it might be worth maybe even exploring that there's not like you can't fully crunch the numbers on which is the best role. Like the, the whole point is that there is no best role. Sure. Even if you are just looking at it from a purely like gambling perspective, everything has its own has so many variables. But also, yeah, even if you even if you boil it down to just pros and cons, it also just comes down to like personal preference as well. Maybe it's about sort of talking about like at, you know, the sort of risk assessment mm -hmm. saying, you know, broadly, all of them are kind of gambles in their own right. But it's, it's like, are you more comfortable playing poker? Are you more comfortable yeah. playing blackjack? Yeah. Like, That's more, the good way of framing yeah. it. Like, are you more comfortable or even like craps, you know, like, so maybe just kind of assessing what kind of game it is. Yeah. Like could be, could be a really good way of like, Buttoning, like yeah, and you don't, you don't have to that. get too hard into like stacking them all against each other. It could also, it could just be kind of a general, like you know, within the game, there's many games um, without getting too like. I could also like graph it. Yeah, it could be fun to have like a little graph where it's like, you know, upfront costs, like yeah. up, you know, upfront risk, you know, re like reward, etc. Like a kind of way of stacking it. So just to show graphically where it is. Because, yeah, that could be interesting. You know, because again, I think producers and artists have, say, a similar upfront cost. But an artist has the, the spotlight and the producer doesn't, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and the artist kind of has the highest, uh, like, potential earning, the mm -hmm. highest, like, ceiling to how, how big things could, could get. But that but is, also the highest potential financial risk yeah, exactly. of, uh, on loss. So maybe there's a graph to be made. Yeah. There's like a, you know, I'll make a pie chart. Right. Despite <laughs> Max. But is it okay as like a first draft? Yeah, like, no, definitely. No, like I said, it's it's really, I, I felt like it was well balanced. Other, yeah, other than I, I I do think that the there's probably more to say in striking out the band and that that could probably even be its own section. Uh, That's kind of, treated like its own section. The other thing I was going to say broadly is I feel like it's, it is tough to assess a chapter like this in a vacuum. It's definitely the kind of thing that 
you'll it'll be really clear like what is like superfluous or what is like leading or, or giving up giving it up too quickly once there's like more like meat to the to the book itself. Well, it's tricky because the next chapter is the value chapter. Like right. next, the next chapter is how we're going to be talking about different value systems and and different cost systems, um, and then the sort of like success measuring in each sort of like classification. But I can't mention really any of that yet. Yeah. So you know, while while I might talk about like a risk assessment of you know each of these roles. Well, some are a financial risk. Others are a opportunity right. risk. You know, some are a sentimental and emotional risk, you know, which might be a good reason to maybe start with the value section. It feels like starting too technically is my issue. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's a, a big question. I don't think there's a clear answer yet, but I think that that's, that's a good thing to be thinking about. I think broadly the choose your character is probably a good place to go after the intro be- because it it pl- i think it plants seeds of like these value questions without getting too technical i mean there might be you know if you comb through it with a fine tooth editing comb there might be stuff that like you could trim back to like make sure that it's as digestible as possible to like the newcomer but i think i think it flows it would flow pretty well to go from starting to hint at these value systems by talking that's, that's what I liked about you. You went into like, I think a good amount of detail in each role uh, of like all these ideas that kind of splinter off of it of like weighing, you know, advances or fees or navigating, you know, just all the, all the various like, like little kind of examples you start to give, I think then following up, following it up with, with what are those as value yeah, systems? Like yeah. how, how to define those value systems will provide a, a nice framework. And I think even just from a tone perspective, there's, there's a nice amount of like, that sort of inspirational or more like kind of flowery language that is like just more kind of entertaining and digestible before you hit them with a bunch of like more theoretical terms, I think is like a good pacing to it. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. But I definitely agree with, you know, finding ways to connect it to the book more, connect it to. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. I think it really is probably just a paragraph, like just on, honestly, a couple of sentences at the end. Like, I don't think you need to, to, Go too. I don't think you need to like lament too much over over how how to how to end that section. I think it's just like there needs to be like an ending. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that uh, wholeheartedly. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you, listeners, for listening. Uh, we're really diving into this. That's that's two now. Yeah, maybe yeah, getting in the meat and potatoes of it. Like maybe it. we'll get to three. Yeah, who knows? We have an artist interview next week, but then the following week it'll be another chapter of the Gambler's Guide. I hope you learn something. Tough to learn something in this one because you're either doing it or you're not. Right. But um, maybe you are deciding, you know, what your role is, or maybe you are deciding a shift in your role, or maybe you're not in music, but you get an insight into all these things that the person who comes home for Thanksgiving has to think about on a right. daily basis. No, I think yeah, I think that <laughs> I think that's fun. I think that's good. But thank you everybody for listening, and we will see you next week. Oh,